Hi, I'm Sadie Witkowski. And I'm Ian Martin. And you're listening to Carry the Two, a podcast from the Institute for Mathematical and Statistical Innovation. AKA MC. This is usually the podcast where Sadie and I talk about how math and statistics impact the world around us. Usually, but for this mini-season, we're doing something a little unique. Hi. While we're in between our more in-depth seasons, we wanted to bring you something a little different. So for this short run between our main seasons, we have a special guest joining us. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Tiffany Christian. I'm a rising fourth-year PhD student at Northwestern University in the Statistics Department. And I just saw a cackling goose for the first time, which as a bird watcher was very exciting. Oh my God, why was he laughing at you? What were you wearing? <laughs> <laughs> they were probably laughing because I was staring at it. You know, nervous laughter. <laughs> <laughs> I have this booklet with the birds of Chicago that I keep at my desk just in case I happen to like spot any feathered friends outside my window. Okay, nerds, let's get back on topic. Uh, Tiffany is joining us as our statistician in residence to help us tackle statistics in the world of environmental and climate science. And at least today, we're going to look at a more positive study than some of our previous episodes by understanding which species thrive in cities. Oh, that's so interesting. So we've all heard of endangered species. Sure. You know, your tigers, humpback whales, green sea turtles. Right. Those are some of the obvious species that humans have been particularly bad for. We can list plenty of other species where human impacts have decreased their numbers. California condors, the wolves in the American West, even the Baiji freshwater dolphin that we now think might be extinct. But rather than going through a depressing list of all the animals that aren't doing so well, I want to talk about the species that are rolling with the punches. These are animals that are actually increasing their numbers, particularly in urbanized areas and how scientists track them. Oh no, is this episode about like pizza rat and those geese on the lakefront trail that never get out of my way? <laughs> hey, I wrote a whole story for Smithsonian Magazine about how researchers rely on weird stuff that pack rats hide in the walls as a way to understand the daily lives of people from the past. Cool, yeah, but that doesn't sound like a statistical topic. Yeah, so you're right that rats are one of these human health species. Others include pigeons, house sparrows, and raccoons. Even coyotes have managed to adapt to the changes in the environment here in Chicago. Uh, actually, funny story about that. Uh, the school where I work shut down for most of the day back in 2019 because there was a coyote spotted in the park next door. Um, so we had to stay in our like third period classes for several hours until everything was, quote, under control, whatever that means. Uh, and I grew up in Colorado, so I was spending the whole day being like, what are y'all freaking out about? It's a coyote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sadly, I have yet to see any of the urban coyotes, and I am definitely keeping my eyes peeled. So we all have a pretty good idea of how to recognize these species, but I thought we were going to talk about how researchers track them. Good point, because I cannot tell you if it's the same bunnies that are chowing down on all my green bean plants in the garden, or if I'm getting new visitors each time. So, Tiffany, what can you tell us about tracking species? Ecologists have to track the species they're interested in to understand if their numbers are growing, shrinking, or moving to new environments. And one way ecologists do this is by using a method called capture, mark, recapture. <laughs> Sounds like a video game. Okay, so what is this capture, mark, recapture? It's a way of estimating populations. Ecologists will capture a sample of animals and mark them in a way that doesn't affect their chances of survival, and re-release them. Then the researchers return to the sampling area and capture more animals. By seeing how many recaptures they have, they can get an estimate of the size of the population. 
This method works really well for urban animals that are easy to capture, like rabbits and deer. But other methods are used to estimate population sizes for animals that are hard to recapture, like coyotes. Why is it harder for coyotes? Coyotes are super smart. So once they're caught one time, they're really hard to recapture. So rather than using this technique, ecologists use GPS collars and track family groups rather than individuals. So for the animals that we are using capture, mark, recapture, what's an example of how researchers mark them? Like, I assume this isn't a sharpied X on your hand like you get at a concert or something. Actually, that's pretty close. Depending on the animal you want to survey, there are different methods. Birds usually get captured with something like mist nets, or with insects like bees, they might set out traps. Regardless of the animal, once they're in the hand of the sampler, they get marked. Birds, for example, usually get a little metal bracelet around their ankles, or I guess that would be an anklet. Marnock butterflies and other insects usually get a little colored dot on them. It's super important to make sure that the mark doesn't harm the individual or affect its chances of survival, wash off, and affect the chances of recapture. Right, yeah, because you don't want to be skewing your research with marks that actually make it harder for the animal to survive long enough for recapture. Speaking of, how long do ecologists usually wait before they attempt to recapture? And are they just looking at the raw number of animals they capture, or how many have been marked versus not marked? They usually wait long enough for the marked individuals to redistribute into the population. Usually weeks are longer. One of the assumptions of capture mark recapture is that there's no animals coming in or leaving the population, either through immigration or death. So they can't wait too long or this assumption becomes unreasonable. A lot of this kind of sounds like citizen science work, like when kids go out and count monarch butterflies to see how that population is surviving. But is this technically a statistical method, or are you applying the statistics to the data you collect? I guess what I'm asking is, how do the ecologists put these measures to use? Capture mark recapture is a sampling method. Sampling is a huge part of statistics, and we need to sample whenever we need to estimate something for a population, but just can't collect information on every individual. A sample is just a way of systematically choosing individuals from a larger group. If it's done well, the data we get from the sample, we can extrapolate to the larger population. Fun fact, a census is what happens when we sample every individual of the population. Oh, that's where that comes from. Like for the U.S. census every 10 years. Instead of knocking on people's door, we have to use capture mark recapture to sample from animals. So once we uh, capture them and we mark them, we let them go. They redistribute into the population, and then we set up some time later to capture another group of them. And we can count how many animals that are recaptured and ones that have been captured for the first time. From the ratio of marked to unmarked individuals, we can generate an estimate of the population size. We can even mark the newly captured ones and repeat the process. If we see a lot of animals in the second capture that are already marked from the first capture, it might be because we have a small population. Or if hardly any marked animals show up in the recapture, then we might have a large population. If no marked animals show up in the recapture, then we can't make any guesses at the size of the population. Hmm. So now that we have an idea of how ecologists measure populations, what kind of conclusions can we make from the data? Usually it's used to measure population, but we can also use it to measure the rate of something. So if there's a disease affecting the animals, we can test each of the captured individuals for the disease. And based on the positivity rate, we can extrapolate it to the larger population. 
With all capture mark recapture estimates, we have to be aware that our assumptions might not be satisfied. And so our estimate might not be accurate or it could be skewed in some way. This is especially true if we could not capture a large proportion of the population and also because individuals can move in and out of the study area. We might end up overestimating the total population if our marking causes the animal to survive better or underestimating if the mark makes the animal too noticeable and the animal gets killed by a predator. So using capture mark recapture, we can see how different species are either thriving or suffering in our cities. I bet that's the research they used on this uh, Planet Earth type documentary episode I remember watching. The researchers were talking about how some species have co-opted human-built environments. So like there are tons of peregrine falcons in New York City because they can perch on those skyscrapers and dive down on their prey even more effectively than in their native forests. Although that's not really the mark improving their, their ability so much as, you know, our built environment. Yeah, urban areas are more diverse than we realize and have many niches that animals can fill. There's also a concentration of food and resources for animals just like there are for humans. So it's a very attractive place with abundant food and nesting sites. And we can actually learn about these populations using techniques like capture mark recapture. Mm, food and nesting site. That sounds very much like my couch. <laughs> <laughs> and while it's not always a perfect fit, these species can find a way to make it work. Take the urban coyotes in Chicago, for example. They might need a larger territory than their wild counterparts, but they still find a way to survive. Life uh, finds a way. Oh, original. Jurassic Park, yes? <laughs> <laughs> yes, obviously. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> But to wrap, I wanted to end my last mini episode by emphasizing how nature is all around us. Even cities are natural environments for all sorts of species. Researchers are dedicated to monitoring these populations to better understand how they fit in our modern world. So while we can appreciate the less human adapted animals we see when we leave cities, we should also recognize our fellow urban occupants. I love that thought. Yes, humans alter the environment all around us, but that means that sometimes other animals can also take advantage of these new niches. And I want to remind the listeners to keep an eye out for any marked animals or banded birds. I mean, I guess you could say that seeing some marked animals is also evidence of the ecologists around us. <laughs> <laughs> If you're enjoying learning about the important research shared on our show, there's another University of Chicago Podcast Network show that you should check out. It's called Why This Universe. Why This Universe breaks down the biggest ideas in physics. Join theoretical physicist Dan Hooper and soon-to-be physicist Shalma Wegsman as they answer your questions about dark matter, black holes, quantum mechanics, and more on Why This Universe, part of the award-winning University of Chicago Podcast Network. As always, don't forget to check out our show notes in the podcast description for more about this research on ecological sampling and the species that thrive in our cities. And if you like the podcast, subscribe to the show and give us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen. By rating and reviewing the show, you really help spread the word about Carry the Two so that other listeners can discover the podcast. And for more on the math research being shared at MC, be sure to check us out online at our homepage, mc.institute. We're also on Twitter at mc underscore institute, as well as Instagram at mc.institute. How do you spell that again? That's mc spelled I-M-S-I. 
And what are your mathy questions? Maybe you have an idea for a story on how mathematics and statistics connect with the world around us? Send us an email with your idea. You can send your feedback, ideas, and more to sadiewit at mc.institute. That's S-A-D-I-E-W-I-T at mc.institute. We'd also like to thank our audio engineer, Tyler Dammy for his production on the show. And music is from Blue Dot Sessions. Well, Tiffany, thank you so much for joining us for these bite-sized discussions on statistics and climate science. I really feel like we learned a lot. Definitely. Thanks for having me. Who knows? We might have you back in a year or two to talk about your dissertation work. Lastly, Carry the Two is made possible by the Institute for Mathematical and Statistical Innovation, located on the gorgeous campus of the University of Chicago. We're supported by the National Science Foundation and the University of Chicago. Uh, hey, how is that? Yeah, you sound great. Oh, you're, you're not even close you. to peaking. <laughs> great, so I still have a place to go. Right, I you still have range. Soon. Okay, well, are y'all Let's do it. ready to get started? Yeah, I have to go to karaoke tonight, so. Okay, so we need to get moving. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> Face? Nope, that wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> too mean, too mean. Let me try it again. Oh, no. Oh, no. Just in general. Oh, no. (laughs) Niches? Niche. Niche. (laughs) Niche.